Welcome to Copyright Clearance Center's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. It's Friday, June 16th, 2017. Ahead of the annual conference in Chicago of the American Library Association, Publishers Weekly senior writer Andrew Albanese joins me to reflect on why 2017 is a significant year of transition for the oldest and largest library association in the world. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Hey there, Chris. Well, Monday, Publishers Weekly will carry your preview of the ALA conference, uh, which runs in Chicago from June 22nd through the 27th. And I noticed on the conference conference website that ALA provides librarians with helpful tips for making your case to attend. So for those who were successful at convincing the boss to sponsor the trip, what can they expect? That's right. Monday's issue is going to be all about libraries and what they can expect at the ALA annual conference, which is a home game actually for ALA this year once again, uh, except for Chicago, which is, of course is the ALA's home base. Uh, and that's actually good news for ALA because the Chicago conferences are always among their best attended shows. Uh, indeed, the ALA says they're expecting about 20,000, probably more than 20,000, after drawing just about 16,000 in Orlando in 2016. ALA also had a rather disappointing midwinter meeting in Atlanta this year, but I think attendance was expected to be down in both of those venues. The last ALA annual in Chicago in 2013, for example, drew about 27,000 attendees. I think ALA is looking to get back to those numbers this year. But as you say in your intro, it is going to be a transitional year for ALA, uh, and there are some big changes at the top of the organization. Chief among them, the executive director, Keith Fields, is retiring after 15 years at the helm. And that comes on the heels of of Emily Sheketoff's retirement from the ALA's Washington office uh, after 17 years. Uh, she left that job in May, and just a week ago, uh, the Washington office got a new executive director, Kathy Cromer, who is with the uh, ALS Foundation. Of course, ALA elects a new president every year. Uh, that's going to be Jim Neal this year, the former librarian at Columbia University. But with everything going on at the moment, specifically libraries really under threat by the Trump administration, plus all this change at the top of the organization. There's going to be some interesting conversations in Chicago. Well, indeed. So from 2002 to 2017, a great deal has changed at libraries and in the country at large. And those 15 years have been a remarkably important period for ALA and for Keith Fields. Oh, you got that right. In fact, you know, I believe Fields has probably led the ALA through what will almost certainly be remembered as the most extraordinary period in the organization's history. When Keith took over in 2002, uh, our listeners will recall the country was still kind of reeling in the aftermath of the 9-11 attacks. The country had become bitterly divided over the war in Iraq. And almost immediately in 2003, the ALA's opposition to the USA Patriot Act would become really a defining public moment for librarians and for the association. Uh, you might remember the four Connecticut librarians who ended up going to court for talking about an FBI warrantless request for records. Remember, under the Patriot Act, the FBI could compel you to turn over any records you had without a warrant. And it was illegal for you to talk about it. And famously, then ALA President Carla Hayden, who our listeners may know is now the 14th Librarian of Congress, we've spoken about her on the show a number of times, uh, clashed publicly with Attorney General John Ashcroft over the government's warrantless searches of library records. But it was also a tense time within the profession, within the library profession. And that's because, you know, as the pace of digital change quickened, uh, librarians found themselves at once evangelizing for digital technology and wrestling with its 
implications. There was the cost and complexity of licensing these digital resources. There was peer-to-peer file sharing services like Napster that had elevated uh, copyright issues to a full-fledged moral panic in some cases. Uh, And librarians would eventually find themselves sued when they partnered with Google over the digitization of -of out-of-print library books and for facilitating e-reserves on college campuses. Uh, Meanwhile, libraries of all kinds were busy remaking their physical spaces to sort of suit this new digital age, often over the complaints of their print users uh, who didn't understand why this rack of paperbacks had to be moved to make room for a computer terminal. And at the same time, librarians were battling the perception that Google and Wikipedia were making them obsolete. And of course, just as it was becoming clear that the internet wasn't going to do them in and that no uh, second life was not going to knock libraries out of business came the mobile revolution. So today we have the iPhone and the iPad, apps, Kindle, eBooks, and of course, social media, which is changing not only the way we access, consume, and create information, entertainment, but the ways that we fundamentally communicate and interact with each other. And all of this, of course, has held and does hold major implications for the future of libraries. Uh, as Keith told me and an interview, it's been like living on the fly for the entire 15 years of his tenure. Uh, The environment that libraries are operating in has been totally transformed and is transforming. And of course, now comes the latest challenge, which is the Trump administration. And that challenge speaks directly to core values for librarians, Andrew. More on that after we take a short break to hear from our colleagues at PW Radio. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book. Publishers Weekly Radio has the very best in book talk directly from New York City, the heart of the book publishing world. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. And I'm Rose Fox. I'm a Senior Reviews Editor at Publishers Weekly. Join us every Friday for a full hour of exciting author interviews, best-selling books, and expert reports on the nuts and bolts of publishing. Every week, we make sure that you have the inside story of your favorite story. Take a listen at publishersweekly.com slash pwradio. I'm Christopher Keneally for Beyond the Book with Andrew Albanese at Publishers Weekly. It's Friday, June 16th, 2017, and we are looking ahead to the annual conference of the American Library Association coming to Chicago starting next Thursday. For Monday's issue, Andrew, you spoke with outgoing ALA Executive Director Keith Fields, who has some serious concerns about the new administration in Washington. Indeed, he does, as do uh, pretty much everyone (laughs) in the library leadership and in the library community. And as Keith told me, ALA officials knew that things were going to be potentially very threatening for libraries with Trump's election. But we didn't know for sure what form Trump's policies were going to take until just a few weeks ago. But the administration, he says, has exceeded pretty much every expectation in that regard with what he called a wholehearted attack on just about everything libraries value. Our listeners are going to recall that I report from the ALA's Legislative Day in Washington, D.C. last month. And at that gathering, Keith Fields gave a little introduction speech, and he noted that libraries were now facing, in his words, the challenge of a lifetime. Uh, And that goes beyond budgeting. That goes to the core values librarians stand for. Of course, the Institute for Museum and Library Services and virtually all federal funding are are pretty much up for elimination under the Trump budget. But there's also copyright battles heating up, uh, the future of the Copyright Office, an issue we've discussed on this program 
them before, and there's privacy stuff. And I think the value stuff is really going to be big, and I think it's going to be a big topic of conversation in Chicago. Uh, indeed, librarians are acutely interested in, for example, the increase that they've seen in racist and anti-Muslim and anti-Semitic, homophobic, transphobic incidents in our communities. Uh, they're also interested in the power of fake news. They're interested in immigrant parents who are suddenly too scared to come to the library or to bring their children to their preschool programs for fear of ICE agents hanging out there. And they're grappling with the post-truth era, as we've come to call it, as best they can. They're helping their patrons look up emoluments <laughs> or understand what obstruction of justice is. And of course, this is all before librarians have to face the fact that they may be having to do this with less funding if the IMLS and all library funding on the federal level is eliminated. So heady times indeed facing libraries. Well, indeed. And, and, you know, it's not all serious conversations at the conference. There's a lot of great presentations and I'm sure many librarians come for the author events. Authors are uh, the lifeblood of ALA and of libraries. And this year's show has a strong program, including a name we'll all recognize as closing speakers. So tell us what's on tap. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to go out and spoil the whole program here, uh, partly because I, I don't have enough voice to list all the authors here. I, I'd probably lose my voice halfway through the list. But listeners can check out the lineup on the PW website or in Monday's issue. I'll just tell you that the closing speaker will be none other than Hillary Rodham Clinton. Um, as our listeners may know, uh, Clinton has a book coming out this fall. She was also the speaker uh, recently at Book Expo. Uh, and I'm sure this is going to be a pretty emotional talk uh, for librarians for obvious reasons. And probably for uh, Secretary Clinton as well. The other thing I would point out is that this is going to be the sixth year of the ALA's Carnegie Medals for Fiction and Nonfiction. And the winners are going to be on hand for a reception. The Carnegies have given the ALA some great moments so far. Uh, and it's really sort of established itself. The Carnegie Medals have established itself as a major literary award. So this year's winners were Colson Whitehead and Matthew Desmond, both of which are going to be there mingling with librarians at ALA and, and giving a speech. So you can look for our cover of that on the Publishers Weekly website next week. Oh, we will do that indeed. And finally, uh, you have a column about the state of library ebooks, Andrew Albanese. And we used to talk quite a lot about libraries and ebooks on this show, but not so much these days. Why has that uh, changed? Well, I wouldn't say that things are stuck, but things are stuck. <laughs> you know, I would say that you know, library ebooks these days, once librarians achieved uh, a basic level of access to ebooks, there hasn't been impetus to get much else done. Uh, librarians are, and publishers are still talking about the issues, but publishers, I think, are reluctant to move towards you know new models, etc., and to really sort of address some of the thornier, perhaps more expensive issues that come with greater access or uh, preservation, etc. Um, so my column fleshes out a few of these issues, and what it really revolves around is that it's sort of the end of an era for the American Library Association with regard to ebooks as the Digital Content Working Group, which I've spoken about on this show a number of times, uh, is going to sunset in Chicago. It's the end of the road for the Digital Content Working Group. Now, ALA has another subcommittee that they're working on. They're going to try to get a charge for that subcommittee going forward, but there will be no more Digital Content Working Group, and the discussions between publishers and libraries are is inevitably going to change going forward. Uh, I do speak to ALA officials. I, I had a couple of interviews, and they all tell me that libraries and publishers have opened the lines of communication, and they're going to continue to work on these digital issues together. Uh, but overall, I would say the state of library uh, ebooks has plateaued, and 
stay tuned for next week because there is a very, very interesting breakthrough that could be on the horizon. Uh, there's a deal in place between a library vendor and a publisher that I think is going to be very interesting to people. Uh, I'm not reporting on that deal right now because these things have a tendency to fall apart. Uh, but I will tease you to stay tuned for next week. We could have a very big announcement. Well, we don't need any kind of a reason except that Andrew Albanese is going to be on the show Friday, but that's as good a reason as as, as any. Uh, Andrew Albanese, Publishers Weekly senior writer, joins me, Chris Keneally, every Friday on Beyond the Book for the latest news from the book world. And thanks so much for being here today, and we'll see you next week. My pleasure, as always. Coming next on Beyond the Book, as it celebrates 25 years of publishing authoritative audiobook reviews, Audiophile Magazine is also celebrating the audiobook itself throughout the month of June. Audiophile editor and founder Robin Witten has assembled the iconic 25, a hall of fame for audiobooks whose sales have skyrocketed and provided nearly all the growth seen in the book publishing industry in recent years. She gave much of the credit to the digital revolution sweeping all media. Well, it makes it so easy for people to access audiobooks, uh, to take them with them, to uh, not break the sequence of moving from the car into the house with your audiobook. And it just makes a smooth, uninterrupted performance, which, of course, is the way they are recorded. Um, you know, the story is a complete arc. Celebrating iconic audiobooks, next on Beyond the Book. Beyond the Book is produced by Copyright Clarence Center, a global leader in content management, discovery, and document delivery solutions. Through its relationships with those who use and create content, CCC and its subsidiaries Rights Direct and Ixis drive market-based solutions that accelerate knowledge, power publishing, and advance copyright. Beyond the Book co-producer and recording engineer is Jeremy Brisky of Burst Marketing. I'm Christopher Keneally. Join us again soon on Beyond the Book. Thank you.